G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Tuesday does roll around quickly. Always our pleasure on a Tuesday to catch up with breaking news headlines out of the Middle East and especially as they relate to the nation of Israel. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines for us once again. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, something we've been talking about quite often over especially this last 12 months or so, uh, the idea that Australian money has been used to aid the Palestinian Authority, but now there's an end to that. Australia's ended its direct aid to the Palestinian Authority because of payments to terrorists and their families. How's that headline look? Yes, it was Julie Bishop yesterday who made the announcement. Canberra had allocated $10 million to the World Bank's multi-donor trust fund for the Palestinian Recover and Development Program that went to the Palestinian Authority. I wrote to the Palestinian Authority on the 29th of May to seek clear assurance that Australian funding is not being used to assist Palestinians convicted of politically motivated violence, Bishop said in a statement. I am confident that previous Australian funding to the Palestinian Authority through the World Bank has been used as intended. However, I am concerned that in providing funds for this aspect of the Palestinian Authority operations, there is an opportunity for it to be used in its own budget to activities that Australia would never support, she said. Bishop said that any assistance provided to those convicted of politically motivated violence is an affront to Australian values and undermines the prospect of meaningful peace between Israel and the Palestinians. Bishop said that Australia remains committed to supporting vulnerable Palestinians with access to basic services, including health care, food, water, improved sanitation and shelter. As a result, Canberra will now direct the Australian $10 million to the United Nations Humanitarian Fund for the Palestinian Territories, which supports these services. Ron, another story around Jerusalem being the capital of Israel and Palestinian Arabs are saying that calling Jerusalem Israel's capital is incitement. What's the story there? Yeah, well, I think it's an antagonistic thing. They say that... Uh, they consider statements such as Jerusalem is the capital of Israel and Jerusalem is the capital of the Jewish people as a form of incitement, according to a report released on Sunday. The report comes in the context of Palestinian attempts to counter Israeli allegations of anti-Israel incitement in the Palestinian media, school textbooks, mosque sermons and public statements by Palestinian officials. In the past two decades, dozens of reports documenting Palestinian incitement against Israel and the glorification of terrorists have been published by various Israeli and Jewish organizations in a mood that has seriously embarrassed Palestinian Authority leaders. 
the PLO report, which cites statements made by a number of Israeli officials and politicians, including Benjamin Netanyahu, also considers calls for combating the fire kites launched towards Israel from the Gaza Strip as incitement. It claims that derogatory and inflammatory comments and incitement by Israeli government officials and leaders are specifically meant to distort reality and mislead public opinion. I think this response and this emotion has come from uh, the recent visit to the area by Jared Kushner and uh, the Middle East peace team, and it's reported that they've returned to Washington saying that they don't hold out much hope that the uh, Palestinians are going to cooperate in any form of peace agreement anytime soon. Mm. High-profile visitors, nothing new to the Middle East, but a royal visit does focus some attention, and Prince William has been in Israel, and he's declared that uh, in the Middle East, peace is his lifelong project, Ron. Yes, he completed the first real, uh, royal visit to Israel at the West Bank by revealing he is personally determined to bring peace to the Middle East. According to the Sunday Mirror, the source claimed Prince William told his aides, This is the start of something new. I will forever honour my commitments to the people I have met. An insider quoted by the newspaper added, The politicians who affect this younger generation's lives may only be in office for 5, 10 or 20 years, but William knows his duty is for life. The Duke of Cambridge described his trip to the West Bank as a very powerful one during a speech at the British Consulate General in Jerusalem at the conclusion of his tour, assuring Palestinians, you have not been forgotten. The Duke had meetings with Israeli President Reuven Rivlin and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, along with his wife Sarah in Jerusalem during the visit. He also met with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas, who appealed to the Prince and the British people to support the Palestinians. At a more personal level, Prince William made a poignant pilgrimage to the final resting place in Jerusalem of his great-grandmother, Princess Alice, who is famous for saving a Jewish family from the Holocaust. Royal protocol forbids the British royal family from ever taking a political stance, but unfortunately, from what I observed, there were people trying to take advantage of uh, the Prince's visit. Well, great insights there, Ron. Let's go to another headline. Syria and Russia have created a humanitarian catastrophe in Daraa in Syria. How does that headline look? Yeah, the assault that began on June the 19th of the army of Syria's President Bashar al-Assad and bombs from Russian warplanes is threatening a massive humanitarian disaster greater than the combined sizes of the humanitarian disasters at Aleppo and Guto. 160,000 people have already been displaced. Dara is supposed to be part of a de-escalation zone based on peace talks last year in Astana, Gazakhstan, between Russia, Iran and Turkey. Promises and agreements mean nothing to Russia and Syria, and they never intended to honour the ceasefire. Bashar al-Assad has already begun the process that he has used in the past in Aleppo and Guto. He begins by bombing peaceful protesters, particularly women and children. As soon as someone becomes violent in revenge, he declares the whole community or ethnic group 
to be terrorists, and then the wipeout begins. Another connected story insofar as the Israeli Defence Forces have transferred six wounded Syrians, including children, to Israeli hospitals. Yeah, the wounded included four young children to Israeli hospitals uh, at the weekend, just one day after the military announced it would not allow entry to Syrians fleeing the regime offensive, yet it will continue providing humanitarian aid. According to the IDF, the injured Syrians were rushed into Israel and were given initial life-saving treatment by IDF soldiers in the field before being transferred to a hospital in the north of the country. Upon receiving the call during the evening hours, the Northern Command Medical Forces were dispatched to the border fence in the southern Golan Heights and prepared for the medical event, a spokesperson said. The wounded included a 10-year-old girl with head and limb injuries, a 7-year-old girl with head injury and shrapnel all over her body, an unconscious 6-year-old girl with a head injury, a 14-year-old boy with a stomach injury and shrapnel wounds in his body, a young adult of about 19 with shrapnel injuries to his leg. A man of about 25 years of age with an injury to his left leg was also transferred to the hospital. The Syrians reported that the children's families had been killed in bombardments. On Friday morning, the IDF announced that while it will continue providing humanitarian aid to those fleeing a regime offensive, it will not allow passage of Syrians fleeing the country to cross Israel's borders. On Thursday night, 300 tents, 13 tons of food, 15 tons of baby food, three pallets of medical equipment and medicines, as well as 30 tons of clothing and footwear were transferred by the IDF in a special operation at four different locations in the area. And Ron, we always love a good archaeology discovery. And now there's a rare Jewish revolt coin that's been found depicting the rebels' prayers against defeat by the Romans. Uh, Tell us that story. Yeah, this coin dates back to 69 CE. The eve of destruction of the Second Temple was uncovered recently during wet sifting by a volunteer at the City of David sifting project located near the Mount of Olives in Emek Zerim in Jerusalem. The coin reads, For the Redemption of Zion. The timing of the discovery coincided with the traditional three-week period during which Jews commemorate the destruction of the Temple. This period begins on the 17th day of Tammuz on the Hebrew calendar, which marks the day the Romans breached the walls of Jerusalem and ends on Tisha B'Av, the date of the temple's destruction. The bronze coin was minted in the fourth year of the Great Jewish Revolt. According to Israel Antiquities archaeologist Eli Shukran, who is leading the City of David excavations in the first years of the rebellion, which lasted from 66 to 70 CE, coins were inscribed with the battle cry for the freedom of Zion. However, in the last year of the revolt, the coins were inscribed with the words for the redemption of Zion. The change in inscription marked the change in the rebels' consciousness from hope of victory to a realization that defeat was a real possibility. The coin was discovered during inspection of dirt taken from a drainage ditch which runs under Haggai Street, the main road for pilgrims ascending the Second Temple.
According to the writings of Jewish historian Josephus, some 2,000 rebels were killed by Romans while hiding in drainage ditches. Archaeological finds back up Josephus' claim, while cooking pots, coins, and even a Roman sword of the era have been uncovered in the system of underground drainage ditches. Well, it's amazing what a big story, even a small coin, can tell. Ron Ross, always great getting your insights. Thanks so much for sharing them with us once again. Thanks for staying up late, scouring the headlines and bringing us a great update as to what's happening in the Middle East and especially as those stories relate to Israel. Ron, thanks for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.